0: So much of the essence of something is caught by pattern recognition, you know. And when 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 I start thinking about the past, which I think is wonderful to reflect on, I, I look at like what's the pattern. I grow as a husband when I can see that I show up a certain way time and time again. And then I can see that I show up in that way when I'm feeling this way. And I feel that way because these are the things that happen, just any of these patterns. So memories to me are a way for us to recognize patterns and trends. I think we become better parents, better husbands, better community leaders when we can do that.
1: All right, my friends, it's Dr. Anthony Balduzzi and I want to welcome you back to another episode here on the Fit Father Project Podcast. Today, we're joined by one of my new friends, John Vroman. He's the founder of Front Row Dads and the author of the book, The Front Row Factor, Transform Your Life with the Art of Moment Making. And John wears many hats. He's an entrepreneur, a speaker, dad, community leader. But as John likes to say, he is a family man first. He's been husband and he's the father of two amazing boys, And he's a man on a mission to gather and empower a group of dads to deepen their relationships with their kids, build a family legacy that they're really proud of, and become very successful in business as well, but really keep the priorities on the top of mind. And John's business is running his Front Row Dads community, which has over 300 entrepreneurial dads in over 12 countries who share the common bond of choosing to put their family first as they grow their business. And he found the company because he wanted to win at work and at home. And I know a lot of us do relate to that. So... As John likes to say, we are family men with businesses, not businessmen with families. So John, welcome
0: to the podcast. Dude, I'm going to have our team clip what you just said and I'm like, that's the most concise intro perfectly said. Thank you, brother. That You're you welcome. just literally saved us hours of time from trying to figure it all out. Call me
1: call me Dr. Chat GPT. <laughs> there you go. Well, John, I'd love for you to just introduce yourself to all the guys who are listening, a little bit of the origin story of kind of like where you got to like making this, the way you spend your time and why this is like the work you're championing in the world. How did, how did you get started into this dad's work?
0: Yeah. You know, here, here are the big pieces of the story. So first of all, this, this whole idea of getting people together to learn and grow, that all really started in my early 20s. I found um, an amazing company that I plugged into. And the whole thing was rooted in great conversations, personal growth. So this this journey started for me very young. And at some point along that journey, it was roughly around when I was 30, I started a charity uh, called Front Row Foundation. So the whole goal was to put kids and adults who had a life-threatening illness in the front row of their favorite live event. And, man, we had a blast. We were doing events with... You know, we, we do fundraisers with hundreds of our friends. You know, I remember 400 people being in a room one time. We're doing auctions, we're painting the picture of helping people, and we have our recipients there talking about their experiences. And it was this idea of, of living a front row life, getting close to the people, places, thoughts, and things that make you come alive. And we, and all of us, all my friends, we all felt really alive and on purpose. It felt different to throw a party where we were raising money and doing great work than it was yeah. just going to a bar and partying. And so then I was like, how do I keep doing this charity work and fund the project and like spread the word? Like, How does it all work together in harmony? So I started speaking about it. I started giving speeches all over the world and eventually turned that into a, a big six-figure income. And I had all of what I thought I wanted, including a family. But what happened was, I started off my life as a dad, going, "I'm going to put family first, and I'm going to read all the books on parenting, and I'm going to do like I'm going to approach this like I approach everything else in my life." But what really happened was that I was working my butt off and and saying every season, "This is just a busy season. I've got to get through one more busy season." And then, when my son, my oldest, was about six, my youngest was about one, I had just landed my biggest speaking fee ever i was I was paid thirty five thousand for a one hour speech, and I was on top of the world, so I thought, in that place I was, I should say, in my professional life, but my wife had said to me, "I think you're more of a moment maker for the rest of the world than you are for your own family." And I don't remember the exact words, but that was the spirit of the conversation. And that stung, and it was true. And I started paying attention and and then I started to see all the clues. I'd be at an event, somebody asked me what I did, and I'd start by talking about my business or the charity and not my family. Or I'd be on the phone with a friend and we'd talk for an hour about our business and I was like, I don't even know how his wife and kids are doing. Mm -hmm. And it was all these things. I'd look at my computer and all my folders were around business and charity and everything else, but none around family core values or what my family was going to do. You know, it's I'd spend a week planning somebody's, a stranger's front row experience, and I'd spend 10 minutes planning my son's birthday. So all my priorities were off, and that's when I, it hit me that I wanted to be a family man with a business, not a businessman with a family. So I got thirty of my, uh, you know, addicted to their work friends together <laughs> for Philadelphia in three days, and I said the only rule is no business talk. And that's where it started because we were exhausted. We exhausted that topic up mm-hmm. until that point, point. and everybody walked away saying, "Man, we we all needed that. This is a conversation we weren't having at this level, at this depth." And so that was the start of Front Row Dads. That was seven years ago, and, and it's just grown ever since. That's awesome. And I mean, a powerful wake-up call too to, to receive
1: that from your wife. And you made a strong pivot, my friend. <laughs> Here we are. And I think a lot of guys obviously are joining your movement because they feel that same pivot. And I, when I reflect on how like it's so easy in today's day and age to get unhealthy because of all the environmental factors the bad foods, the, the, the culture. I think the same thing is true for dads, right? I mean, it's so easy to become work obsessed and focused. And despite we say that we want to be healthy, we say that we want to be present dads, but the general feel is that that doesn't happen unless we're very intentional. So paint the picture for me. What does it look like? For someone in your community, what does the life of a front row dad look like on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a show up basis? I know it's unique to every person, but like, how does a front row dad show up differently than what the opposite of a front row dad is, which is like a wannabe front row dad?
0: Yeah, no, I think it's, it's, it's a great question, man. And I think if I start with a bigger picture of a year, let's say when you plan your year, you first start by planning your family vacations and you plan how you're going to show up for your family. And then you build a business around that versus what happens most of the time is guys build some business and then f- try to figure out how to squeeze family into yeah. these, these moments that are left over. So you know, you'll know you hear people say like, you know the business gets the best of you and the family gets the rest of you. And we want mm-hmm. to just flip that on its head. So it starts with bigger picture planning. Yeah. And then I think when you look at things that happen quarterly in your business, you can just take those ideas and implement them at home. Mm -hmm. So one example would be, you know, do you give yourself quarterly planning sessions? Like what are the metrics that you might look at as a father to gauge your success at home? Because we study business metrics all the time. We have our KPIs, but do we have that for our home? And and then you can, then you start if you keep drilling down, then you look at things like what might happen on a weekly basis is you might have strategic transition time. So this conversation started for me years ago, where people would talk about how do you get out of work mode and into family mode. And -hmm. some guys would have a tradition like when they walk in their house, they put on a specific kind of hat or something. And that means like dad's in like dad mode change of clothes change of scenery somehow they go for a walk around the neighborhood whatever it is that is symbolic and and a tradition or a rhythm to get them into family mode mm-hmm. i think those are good things and and then i think ultimately what that led to for me was when i when you start doing this analysis on your calendar when you start with great intention when you start with great awareness one example in my world was that i'd go into the weekend i was exhausted Mm-hmm. Right. I, I was just flat out exhausted. So, what I did is, I, as an experiment, I cut out all planned meetings on Fridays and Mondays. Monday became my thinking day. I called it Map It Out Monday. It was everything about strategic thinking, strategic planning. Friday was follow up Friday, which is I could button everything up, yeah. close emails, close loops, close everything down for that week as best I could. And then I tried to ask myself could I get the necessary work done between Tuesday and Thursday, between 10 and 4 p.m. Could I do that? And all that led me to figuring out how to remove myself from being the critical element behind all these things that I once thought I was so important. And the truth is the business, Front Row Dads business has grown tremendously over the last year. And I've done arguably the least amount of things you know Mm -hmm. for the business. And I just keep finding a way to stay in my zone of genius, Mm -hmm. to empower others to contribute to what Front Row Dads wants to become. And then I walk into the weekend with energy now for my family. So I really didn't have a how to be present with my family problem. I had a business problem that was bleeding into my family life. Yeah. And so once I fixed that problem at work, I just naturally had more energy for my family. I was a, I was in better spirits, and I, I wasn't walking into the weekend with 30 things that I needed to do. I was walking into the weekend with a whole team that felt empowered to do it. Now, none of that happened overnight. That all happened for me by studying how other people were doing it, by learning from these other guys in the group, and then making adjustments over time.
1: Yeah, I mean, awesome. And I'm curious, like, what did you start spending your time with in those early morning hours, like? Up until the the 10 a.m. block. So 10 a.m. Tuesday through Thursday kind of yeah. like hard work start. Like what'd you start spending your time doing in the mornings with your with your kids or personally?
0: Yeah. So I'll just tell you what it looks like right now. What it looks like right now is I'm up typically around five thirty and I have from five thirty to six thirty pre kids, pre anybody that is just me and whatever I want to do. Journaling, writing, thinking, stretching, doesn't matter. It's just that's time for me to feel centered. Yep. And I, I don't have a routine I do every morning. I have a routine that I like. I do what I feel like doing every morning. It's generally five to seven things that That's I cool. most of the time feel like doing. And then it's all kids from 6.30 to 8.30. So I'm feeding kids. We're talking. We're hanging out. We're getting ready. It's total family time. So I never have a call. And, and when I say never, I rarely use that term. But I honestly can't think of a time when I've broken that rule. I just can't even think of the last time. So I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure it might happen. But 99.9%, I'm, I'm on that. 6.30 to 8.30. And I drive my son to school. And by the way, I love that time in the car, that windshield time. like We have some of our best conversations in the car. It's like accountability for one-to-ones with, with mm-hmm. he and I, which is great. So then I leave from 8.30 to 10 to take care of myself. And this is in like, go to the gym, go for a walk. I try to do something where I'm like in nature, learning, listening to a podcast, working out. And this is just what do I need to do to supercharge? Where the early morning, 5.30 to 6.30 feels like more of a mental and spiritual connection. And 8.30 to 10 feels more like a physical embodiment for the day. And then I just get into podcasts, planning, team calls, whatever it is from 10 to 4. 10 to five ish. And then I usually, I usually don't have anything on my calendar. Today's an exception from four to five. That's transi- transition time. So I'll work, but I'll do what I want to do. So I don't feel obligated to things. Mm-hmm. And, and then that's it. And that's, that's basically and, and then I don't ever, again, rarely, rarely would I ever schedule anything after five o'clock. Almost never. Um, and then Fridays, I really just protect that time as well. Yeah. You know, so there's always wiggle room. And then it just gives you freedom because if I want to do something, if I really wanted to schedule something, there's always available to me. I always have choice, which is great. Yeah. I mean, this is like such a cool
1: mix of like the philosophy, but literally like calendar strategy, which I guess ultimately for people, whether you are running your own business or working in a company, like the calendar is the rhythm setter. So if you can like create that more space it's so good and intuitively i've figured out the same thing on the friday mondays like i like to actually take a lot of the podcast calls and recordings on fridays cuz i find that very restorative um, but mondays i keep like completely open and off to just have the space to start without being so reactive i suppose the reactivity of the mind is honestly what we we then put on our families in terms of like stress and stuff and this yes. actually brings me to my next question is i know in your book, you talk about a lot about how like the language we use around things like shapes a lot, shapes our perception of our limitations and just like how we communicate things. Can you, can you talk about language and phrases and stuff, I guess, in terms of like how we mentally communicate with ourselves and our families and some shifts that you found are powerful for like front row dads, how they speak differently than maybe just like pre-initiated front row dads.
0: Mm. Such a great question, man. Um, Yeah, so around the language and what shifts. You know, what comes to mind right when you asked that was a lot of the language in our community is around taking personal responsibility. I think if if the average person were to imagine what it was like for a bunch of dads to be together, you know, talking about how difficult their kids are, how challenging their wives are, you know, yes, it feels that way at times. You could feel like kids are challenging, your wife is challenging. But 90% of the conversation, the the language is around a, an internal reflection. W- what is within my control? What are my blind spots? Where is my child, my inner child, wounded and seeking attention? You know, what is it that I'm unconsciously creating Right. In in our in my life, so much of the language of our group tends to lean in that direction. I think that one of our core values in the community is curiosity. So I think that what you would find in our community is a language of how do we how do we become masterful at asking questions? Like, what is the question that we want to pursue? Yeah. And you know, in business, I just heard this great question the other day from my buddy David Osborne. We were just on a walk down the beach and he goes, what do you want front row dads to be? And so we played with that question for a minute. And then he goes, what does front row dads want to be? And I was like, what a beautiful question. You know, it's sort of like parenting where you might say, what do you want for your son? And then it's like, what does your son want for himself? Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is what we find at our retreats and at our online events is we very carefully craft the questions that we get excited to dig into. So I think that from a language perspective, we're just obsessed with that. Like we do these one-to-one interviews in our community where we'll give two or three questions and let guys interview each other. And some of the questions, which are sourced from within, but they're just beautiful questions. Like one is, where are you flirting with disaster is an interesting question. Um, What's something you don't want to talk about is a question that we ask. You know, so so what comes to mind initially is actually when it comes to creating or crafting a mindset or a relationship with our spouse our children or ourselves or our brothers. It's like, how do we become masters at asking interesting questions?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And again, having this space to to ask and answer those questions too. I think it's like the the theme that kind of ties back to your calendar thing is we just get caught up in the rhythm and the busyness. And like, we must have the space to ask these questions. And like, that's awesome. Very powerful. I love all those questions. And in fact, I think people would benefit from listening to this of actually answering those questions like now or sometime in the rest <laughs> of the day. That'd be really cool. Um, and I think another thing I'd like you to speak into that you just mentioned is The idea of the inner child. I mean, you are a man that exudes the masculine leadership capabilities, but also a lot of playfulness. And I know that's probably a mix of like just who you are, like DNA kind of stuff, but also what you've cultivated. How important do you think like inner play is for being like a fully expressed dad? And that means like a dad's Mm -hmm. own inner play. And like, how does that also interface with our kids' play, especially in different stages of life?
0: I have this picture. Uh, over on my my bookshelf over here, of me when I was 12. And I think it's important for, for dads, if they, have the, if they can do this, to look back at photographs of themselves when they are the ages of their current children and truly try to live into who were you in that moment. Yeah. What were your greatest desires and your deepest fears? Like, how did you want adults to treat you? What did you crave from your father when you were 12 or eight? Like, my, my, well, my boy is 13 and eight now. It's, mm-hmm. the, the, these, are, these are thought exercises. These are early morning meditations that you can mm-hmm. do, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very powerful place to reconnect with your inner child. And it's also important to explore your inner child to know how that version, like my 12-year-old version of John, my eight-year-old version of John shows up in my adult body. And when he is in control, right? When he is the one that's running the show, I need to know that because that can have a negative impact on my marriage, on my parenting. And so... I think that our inner child work comes in a couple different ways. One is tapping into the inner child that allows us to play and be in that like light, fun space. But the other one is to connect with the trauma that was created at that time of our life, and we can deal with it now as adults. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an also an important part of our inner child work.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Can you speak more into like? I mean, I don't know how personal you're willing to get, but like for you, then 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 let's go. Then let's go. Like, what kind of what kind of inner child traumatic patterns oh, have surfaced oh, for you shit. over the last five years that you've like pulled up the roots for? Oh, con- conquered and still in progress.
0: I have a story for you. I have. Please. I have a story for you. Oh, this is like this is like the universe perfectly timed something recently so that I could answer this question for you. Okay, so this story has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and it's very clear. The beginning part of the story is me at eight years old, uh, living in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. My dad is a Navy captain. He is very disciplined. He eats breakfast at the exact same time. He leaves the house at the exact same time. He works for the exact same number of hours. And at exactly 7 p.m., you could almost time it with, you know, like you could look at the clock, and at 7 p.m., the the garage door would go up every (laughs) single night. And he would come walking through the door with his leather briefcase and in his military uniform, right, his officer uniform. And that was our routine. And we'd sit at the family dinner every night at exactly the same time. And at exactly 8.15, he would sit on the couch in his chair, in his leather chair, read a newspaper. And it was so routine. I paint that picture because here I am, eight years old. I'm hiding under his desk, knowing he's about to walk through the door. And as soon as he walks in from from work, I jump out to surprise him. I probably yell. I don't remember. But whatever I did, he turned around and he was so pissed at me. It was like this man who was in fight or flight all day long, right? Putting out fires, dealing with whatever he dealt with and was walking through the door, likely thinking, I'm so excited to just have dinner, sit down, chill. And then he gets scared <laughs> by his son. And he just, his fight or flight was triggered and he turned around and he was just pissed. Well, for the, my entire life, my, anybody who knows me will tell you that if they try to jump out and scare me, I immediately get angry. Like you might get knocked out type of, like, yeah. tr- but it, immediate reaction. And mm-hmm. I've always judged myself for that. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Well, I was in a somatic healing session about a year ago, and this woman has me doing breath work and she has me traversing back through my life. And somehow we land on this story with my dad. And I am telling the story, which I've told before, just like I told you just mm-hmm. now. I've told this story, but this time I, Burst out crying, like uncontrollable, ugly crying. Like I can't control my crying. Like I haven't cried that way in, I can't even remember. Mm -hmm. And I I remember saying to the therapist, like, I don't even know where that's coming from. I didn't like, I would have told you, I don't have any trauma around this. I don't have Mm -hmm. any, I got nothing right Mm -hmm. around this. But clearly my body had some, a different message. Like my body had held on to something with this. And I was, and I felt like I had started to deal with this fight or flight, you know, response. Well, because I did the work, because I dealt with this childhood trauma, two weeks ago, I'm in Cabo, exactly. I was just telling you, walking down the beach with my buddy, David Osborne, when he asked me that great question, what does front row ads want to be? But I'm sitting on by myself on the beach and I've got, and I'm just listening and, and I'm meditating and I got my hands in the sand and I'm envisioning. and and I've got my headphones in, and my son comes up behind me. My eight-year-old son comes up behind me and tries to scare me. But dude, the craziest part was I didn't react at all. Like I didn't react negatively. My body didn't have a fight or flight response. I didn't yell at him. I didn't want to punch him in his face. I didn't want to scold him for scaring me when I was I just grabbed him and embraced him and hugged him and I realized dude that is what it that is healing generational trauma for sure that is doing the work to heal generational trauma and the other part of that is I don't know that I could have gotten there on my own I, 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 this happened because I was, because I hired the right coach, because I surrounded myself with somebody that held space for me, somebody that asked the right questions, somebody that allowed me to go back and work on this and heal. And I was safe. I was safe to express myself and release all this trauma. And I've had that. I've had that happen with therapists. I've had that happen with my front row dad brothers. I mean, at our last event, we had men that were having tremendous breakthroughs with childhood trauma. Guys were saying, I just shared something that I've held on to for 45 years of my life. Never told anybody... Walked around with the shame of this and just told somebody that I had known for three hours at the Front Row Dad Retreat because we create this safe space. And when we can deal with these things that we've been carrying, we're less likely to be reactive with our kids and, and to blow up on people because we've handled our emotions and we've found our parasympathetic state again. Mm-hmm. And dude, it's so beautiful to to see that come full circle for me. And I just yeah. thought it was so beautiful that I was eight when it happened and my son is eight. For sure. And, and I'm just like, man, that's growth. That's what we need to be doing. That is, it's, it's poetic. It's beautiful. Wonderful story.
1: Truly. I'm glad, I'm glad we had the opportunity to have you share that. Thanks for asking the question, man. Thanks for giving space for it. Hey, it's Dr. Ray. I want to quickly pause this episode to thank you for listening to this Fit Father podcast. I am just blown away at how amazing this podcast has become. I had no idea when I started FFP around 10 years ago that it would grow into such an impactful mission. And I want to let you know that I am so grateful to be connected to you in this lifetime. And on behalf of me and my entire team, we are so grateful to be in your life, helping you get and stay healthier for your family. That's what I want to share. Just some gratitude from my heart to yours. Let's get back to today's episode. And I think it segues into like, what I want to ask you next is as dads, like how do we help our kids reach their full potential? Which obviously it's not passing on generational trauma is part of that. But like, how how do you think about helping your kids reach their full potential?
0: I think about it like most things in my life. It's not one thing, it's many things. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's like a, it's like a beautiful ecosystem where you go, well, what is it? Is it the bees? Is it the birds? Is it the worms in the ground? Is it the chickens? Is it the, what is it? And you're like, yeah, it's it's all of it. And mm-hmm. for kids reaching their full potential, it's it's all those things. I believe that at its core, it's it's a father. When we look at what we can do to help our kids achieve their greatest potential, it's first doing the work on ourselves, being mm-hmm. honest with ourselves, developing ourselves into the best version so that we can hold space for them, so that we can help make the best decisions possible. That, that's primary. Beyond yeah. that, I think it's surrounding your kids with other great men yeah, and other great people because some of the greatest lessons my kids have ever received did not come from me. They've come from the tribe. They've come from the community. They've come from the people that we are surrounded by, the, the other men that will literally pick up my boys, put their hand on my boy's chest and say, I see a light in you. It comes from my, my kids watching other men lead their lives and other kids lead their lives. And so community, If yes. I, if and arguably beyond taking care of yourself as a man, community by far is the most important thing. So how do you shape your community? How do you invite right. people to your home? How do you create community gatherings? How do you how do you intentionally create your kid's educational experience? I mean, dude, I am i do not subscribe to send your kids to public school and have faith that what's happening there is okay because you went through public school and you might have turned out okay that it's just a rite of passage and you got to go and some of it's going to suck. I, I think you need to ask questions. Do I think you need to be a helicopter parent? Do I think you need to control every single aspect? Do I think, no. But do I think you need to be engaged? Yes. And I think some men look at this like, well, I don't want to control my kids and I don't want to be a helicopter parent as a reason to disengage, as another reason to go hide at work. You know, I just want to let my kids be who they're going to be. And that's kind of like a cop out. It'd be like if you were building a team and you're like, I don't really want to get involved in the team at all. I just want to let them be who they're going to be. No structure, no processes, no accountability, no training, no whatever. It's like, no, we'd never do that. So we look at things in our family life like we do in our business life. Here's a great one, by the way. It comes back to where we were earlier. One of my buddies, Jim Shields, he's a really, um, really great dude, real estate investor, um, ended up uh, adopting a couple of kids and kids of his own, beautiful family of seven. And one of the things, Jim wrote a book called The Family Board Meeting. Have you ever heard of this? Yeah, I have. Oh, yeah, yeah. So what's beautiful is it's like quarterly meetings with your kids one-to-one. Yeah. And, you know, what I think is so great about those meetings is just connection. So, if we want to help our kids to achieve their fullest potential, one is we have to be engaged. And this is what being a front row dad is all about. It's about getting in there and like showing up, getting a front row seat to your kids' life. Like, instead of binge watching Netflix, binge watch your kids, right? Like, Mm -hmm. this is a pay close attention because men who might say, I don't know what to do. When should I have the birds and the bees talk? When should I? A lot of those men are asking that question because they just don't, they're not engaged enough to know the answer. But when you know your kids and when you're talking to them and you're present, you're like, I know exactly what needs to be said right now. I know exactly when we're going to have that conversation because I know what's age appropriate because I know that human and I know what's happening in their world. And now I know what to do. Mm -hmm. If you come in as a CEO of a company, first thing you're going to want to do is get to know the team and you're going to understand who are these people? What are their strengths? What What are their passions? What are their fears? Like we need to know so that we can help to create the most empowering environment for them to thrive. Yeah,
1: well said. And I want to ask a direct question on this is, okay, so let's say someone has not, they know right now listening to this, that as much as they could be a front row dad, that's not how they've been showing up. And they do realize consciously that there's some degree of disconnection and that things have kind of been a little passive. They've been busy with work and, and they they feel a call right now to like step into being a more present, engaged dad. But at the same time, right now, their kids are modeling behavior in relationship to dad number one. The, the kids may not feel like they have a lot of initiative. They might be a little quiet, like to go to their room glued to the phone, not like having the exuberance of energy, joy, and and confidence that you find in like a well-adjusted kid with like really engaged parents. So new dad comes in, he wants to be a front row dad. This is CEO too. He comes into his, his family unit and his kids. Like, how do you make the steps to recalibrate that relationship into one that is engaged front row dad, front row daughter and son kind of like... Enmeshment. Like, what's Mm. the transition period look like? Because I mean it's gonna be a shakeup for the kid. You know, dad comes home all of a sudden, cracks his knuckles and be like, all right, we're gonna go write down some core values and like play catch in the backyard. And be like, what happened, dad? Like, didn't know. Yeah, you know, so like,
0: yeah. You you can learn so much from our businesses and bring it home. It's the same thing as like if you if you're the CEO that goes in and every quarterly, you're like, We're changing everything, right? And and you show up completely different than you were before, it can really throw the team. It can really mm-hmm. throw your wife. It can really throw your family. When guys come to our retreats, we talk about the integration period. We talk mm-hmm. about you know the person who goes and sees Tony Robbins. And by the way, this was me. And they come back and they're like, this is what you got to do with your life. And, you know, because they just got all the answers. They know exactly what they're just and they're preaching from a place of love. They want everybody else to feel what they feel. And right. You you want to come in and change everything at once. I don't think okay. that's always the best approach. Now, mm-hmm. everybody should do what they think is right. I, that may be the approach for them. But for me, it's about, first of all, doing the changes internally and not telling everybody you're going to do it. So yeah. I, I wouldn't recommend coming home and being like, I know I've been a bad dad. I want to be a better dad. Just be a better dad. And mm-hmm. then let people say, man, something's shifted in you. You're a different version. Like let people catch on to that. Yeah. And they always say, you know, in in parenting, especially it's like the lessons are caught, not taught. Mm -hmm. right? And so this idea of, can you just start modeling things? You know, It's interesting with the early morning stuff, because I remember waking up, doing all my reading and my journaling and all this stuff. And then my kids would get up and I realized they never saw any of it. So part of my mission became, can I let them catch me doing the things I want them to learn? So Mm -hmm. as men come into our community and they learn these different things, what typically happens is they this is, this is, by the way, I've shared one of our core values, curiosity. This, the other one is lead domino, which is pick the most effective thing, just focus mm-hmm. on that one thing, implement that, get that going, and then let's move on to the next thing. So yeah. of all the things we teach and of all the, the pillars that we go through, the six pillars, parenting, marriage, emotional intelligence, et cetera, et cetera, what's the lead domino? Let's not fix them all at once. Again, we wouldn't do it in business. We're not going to do it now. But what's the lead one? That's how guys need to do this at home. When they decide they want to shift, they need to pick their lead dominoes. They need to take action. Let the lessons be caught, not taught, and just show up differently is really the answer. Nice, powerful. I'm all about it. And and obviously
1: connecting to how this work is just so so important for yourself personally and your family is the motivation to like make these changes. And just insofar as everyone's listening to this inside of our fit father programs and community, it obviously helps a lot to have a curriculum and to have like like-minded brothers in arms. Like, as you know, that's like the magic. Now I want to, I want to ask you like a kind of change the direction a little bit is what is your relationship to memories? Like what do memories mean to you? Like why do they matter? I know it, it's, there's certainly a big part of your life is, Talking about making moments mm. and, and maybe memories are remembered moments, but like let's talk about memories. Like why why is that important? Speak into that, please.
0: Yeah, you know, I feel like for me, so much so much of the the essence of something is caught by pattern recognition. Mm-hmm. You know, and when 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 I started thinking about the past, which I think is wonderful to reflect on. I I look at like, what's the pattern? I grow as a husband when I can see that I show up a certain way time and time again. And then I can see that I show up in that way when I'm feeling this way. And I feel that way because these are the things that happen, just any of these patterns. So memories to me are a way for us to recognize patterns and trends. I think we become better parents, better husbands, better community leaders when we can do that. The other one is, I remember reading about this from Chip and Dan Heath. Do you know the, the, the authors? Yeah. For sure. Fantastic writers. And one of the things they were talking about is uh, catching bright spots in the past to create mm-hmm. positive change. Like what's working, basically, right? And I've got to show you this. Did I ever tell you that I was doing this? Um, talk about memories. I'll give you like a practical. And this is this is, you can... Any man listening to this, first of all, any woman listening to this, any human listening to this can do this for people they love starting today. It's like okay. something you could do today. Did I ever tell you about this? These these albums I put together? Nope. Okay. So I had this idea that, and let me tell you where this started. It started by learning about the Lesado line, the positive to negative comments that you would make to somebody and the impact that that has, like the research Mm -hmm. behind this in a marriage, in a business, and there is a ratio, positive to negative comments. And then I realized as a parent, I just was walking around correcting my kids all the time. Don't Mm -hmm. do that. You could do this better. But I wasn't catching them and their best, right? Right. I wasn't capturing that moment, which then becomes a memory. And I have to ask myself, which memories or moments do I want to put an exclamation point on? Arguably the root of the Front Row Foundation work, right? Mm -hmm. But So what I started to do is I said, okay, here's my son Ocean's album. Can I, look at him doing Kung Fu right there. Can I capture a photo, whatever um, rhythm, by the way, once a week, once a month, whatever you want to do, right? But can I make it a routine? And then, can I write something on the back? So there's the note. Okay. And here's what it says Ocean, this was your first Kung Fu lesson, and you were awesome. During meditation, you sat quietly and focused. Tiger said to me, Ocean's doing such a great job. I agreed. You're playful, strong, and ready to learn. I love watching you grow. That was from January 31st, 2020. Okay. And then I started printing out a bunch of these pictures, and at dinner time, I would hand them out. I would read the note in front of the family. So not only is that child hearing what I saw in them, and the language is very intentional, right? You are, you are playful, strong, and ready to learn. So I, I was like ready to learn. And then I, I love watching you grow. I love watching you grow. Think about like the language that gets used. Yeah. And now his brother is hearing how awesome Ocean is. Right. And then mom is hearing how awesome Ocean is. Well, first of all, I just started this with the boys, but then I started doing it for Tatiana, and that's her album. And then I realized because some of it was like my boys would talk to my wife sometimes. And I was like, stop talking to your mother the way that you see me talk to your mother. (laughs) You know, it's like this. Don't talk to your mother in the way that I do because I don't like it. And wait a minute, you're a mirror for me right now. And you're actually talking to her in a way that I don't want you, but you learned it from me. That whole thing, right? So look, at this is a picture of Tatiana sitting around the, the, the you know, with a bunch of people. Yeah. And I wrote, Tatiana, you're such a beautiful addition to any gathering. What shows up when you enter the room? Love, light, and levity. Anywhere we go, you're still the girl I want to leave with. And I read this in front of the boys. Dude. Simple, a way to capture the memories, a way to put words to it. And by the way, it doesn't take long. I print these on my $200 HP printer with photo paper that I order on Amazon. I print it from my computer. It it literally takes seconds to do. I write on the back with a Sharpie marker. I hand them out.
1: I mean, yeah, this is like amazing. I mean, I'm definitely going to start doing that.
0: Yeah. It could, and by the way, even if it's like once a quarter or don't even tell them that you're going to do it regularly. That's the other thing. Like every week I'm going to do this. It's like, well, you might not. So why mm-hmm. don't you just like do it and then do it again when you feel like it or, or set a, ri- but don't tell them, just let them say, man, every month you did that for the last year. That's amazing. Or every, right. It's like, that's my advice to people is, you know, just make the challenge for yourself or or share it with a buddy and have some accountability there, but then just show up to your family and do it. But don't tell them why you're doing it. Just do it. Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, so many like
1: powerful and subtle factors in that. And I'm sure for you, it's just another way to just love on your family and appreciate them so deeply. Uh, That's beautiful all around. Now, next part of this, in the tail end of this, I want to talk about the categories that you have as pillars of your front dad's community. And I'm gonna read them. I know you know them. Wealth and legacy, vibrant health, thriving marriage, intentional parenting, business evolution, and emotional intelligence. So I wanna like semi rapid fire on these and kind of go through each of these and basically know in each of these categories, what has helped move the needle for you the most Mm. in this? So it may be personal but you could also answer in a way of the aggregate of large number of guys that you've seen and work with. What are things that move the needle most for other men? So we'll start with wealth and legacy. What's moved the needle most for you on that front or what moves the needle most for front row
0: dads? You know, okay. So first of all, not a cop-out to the answer, but the blanket statement across the board is is one answer, which Mm -hmm. is other men. Like unquestionably seeing other men live at higher standards has been the thing that has changed, Yeah, that has shifted things for me. So it, it's hard to say it was one idea, one book, one... But it's like week in yeah. and week out for the last seven years, watching how men live. Like I'll give you a great example. Um, and then I'll come back and answer the wealth and legacy. But for years, I've been hearing about my friends taking their families overseas in the summer. Like, I have a buddy, Tim Nikolai, who lives here in Austin. And every year since I've known him, probably six or seven years now, he's gone overseas for like six weeks with his family in July and August. Yeah. And it never felt attainable for me, for whatever reason, to do like that length of a trip. And maybe it was either finances that were standing in the way or my business called on me too much. But after six years of watching him do this, and then I'm interviewing a guy named Mike McCallowitz, who I don't know if you know Mike, by the way, brilliant mm-hmm. entrepreneur, writer. He's written several incredible books for entrepreneurs. Um, but he goes, John, don't take a, a, a break, a vacation from your business. Give your business a vacation from you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. Because he goes, if you can go away for four weeks and your business can operate... I find that most businesses operate on like a monthly cycle, if you will. Like if you can get out for four weeks and it still runs, that's a great sign. You've built a business that doesn't rely on you or depend on you. So by the way, so I got this interview with Mike. I got Tim as a model for me well, this summer, dude, we're taking four weeks. We're going to go to Iceland. We're going to Nice. We're going to uh, Amsterdam. We're taking a cruise down to Switzerland. We're hiking in the Alps. Like, Dude, we're doing four weeks. My whole team's been prepping all year long for this. They know I'm completely unavailable. In fact, I hired an EA just so I had somebody managing my calendar, my inbox, all my responsibilities while I was gone. She's been training for six months now. Also, this could happen. But if I back this up, Literally, the idea was planted in my mind five, six years ago. And now it's being executed on because I had to get so many things lined up. Or at least that's the story I tell myself. Yeah. Right? I had to get... But finances had to be lined up. The business had to be lined up. I had to be in the right headspace. my, And maybe it's even like my kids, I told myself my kids needed to be at the right age. But whatever it is, I can tell you this wasn't an overnight thing. And so... The big answer, the blanket answer, is surrounding yourself with great people, which is why I love mm-hmm. your community and I love what you're doing, and it's why you've had so much success because that's the element that's so great. Like, there's lots of other people out there pitching how to be healthy, but sure. but you and your community and the the processes and the systems that allow people to feel connected and feel safe and feel guided and whatnot that that's the part at the end of the day. So, into each pillar, though, you asked yeah. about wealth and legacy. Like, what's the thing? And here's what it would be. Um, let, me, let, me, let me really breathe into like each one because I want to see what comes yeah. up for me. So the wealth and legacy category is not just about making more money. This isn't a, this isn't a number that we think you should be chasing. That's very rarely what we talk about. Because I don't mm-hmm. think that number is what wealth and legacy is truly built on. The wealth and legacy is what do we, how do we utilize the funds, the the resources that we've been provided, and to recognize its impact long term. Yeah, probably one of the coolest ideas I'd ever heard in the wealth and legacy that I think um, moves the needle is the conversations that parents are having with their kids around wealth, mm-hmm. and so. As an example in our community, you'll see guys playing cash flow with their kids. You know the the game cash flow. Yeah. You'll see guys talking about how they approach um, investing. I had a guy on my podcast recently, and he has his kids bought their first real estate property when they were seven, right? Which is That's crazy cool. to think about. His thirteen year old owns thirty homes. His thirteen year old owns thirty homes. Now, I don't think that's every parent's path or every kid's path. But the one thing um, that, I, that I've learned in The Wealth and Legacy is to be in conversation with our children around money. Because mm-hmm. that most of the time is not taught in schools. And not just how to make it, but how to shepherd it, what to do with it, how to make yeah. good decisions with it. But that all-encompassing question of how do we make it, what do we do with it, how to, right what, the role that it plays in our life, that's the biggest one for me with Wealth and Legacy, was a conversation with my children. Nice. Great answer. Now, category two, vibrant health. Oh, this is an easy one for me. Uh, The daily sweat. Culturally speaking, in our group, The daily sweat was the biggest change. doesn't matter what you do. If you're sitting in the sauna, lifting weights, all those things. Like for us, by the way, I realized that as I speak to you about this, you might have a much more clearly defined path, which I respect and bow to. But for our group, keeping it simple was about sweat every day. Whatever you do, move your body, break a sweat every day. And then the bonus would be do it with your kids. The more Mm -hmm. we can play sports with them, the more we could be moving with our kids, incorporating them into those activities the best we can. But yes, sweat every day.
1: Love it. So tangible and also invites a lot of the play and badass workouts, but
0: other options too. Love it. Thriving marriage. The biggest idea that I've ever got from thriving marriage was that a lot of marriage problems are not solved by two people learning how to work better together. Hmm. But in a thriving marriage... It's about one individual going and doing their work and bringing back a transformed person to the relationship. So in other words, when I've looked at my relationship with Tatiana, it it very rarely has been like a relationship coach going, oh, you need to say this and you need to say this. And that's how you work together better. It's like she goes away and has some type of like healing experience and transformational experience and brings back a new version of Tatiana. Our relationship benefits. I go Mm -hmm. away, I do the same thing. I come back and we have a new version of John. So the the thing about the marriage is always to do and what I also find is mostly what helps a marriage is the healing of an individual in the marriage. Yeah. So I believe in that phrase that like we marry our unfinished business. And if you chose your partner correctly, they're probably challenging they're challenging you to your very core. They are touching on your deepest wounds. And then they are your greatest teacher because if you're triggered, that means something needs to be healed. A yeah. boundary needs to be established. A conversation needs to happen within you, within the relationship. So that's what I think. I think it's the healing of an individual. Powerful answer. Truly
1: love that one. Next category is intentional parenting.
0: Showing up. Uh, by far, The the big answer is be there. Um, A a lot of guys, I was listening to somebody today talking about how they're like, I work relentlessly to provide for my family and that's how I protect my family. That's how I provide. I know a lot of guys like this and by the way, I'm not, I'm not, I'm I'm, I'm attempting to share a personal value Mm -hmm. without throwing somebody else under the bus or judging them so i can feel like i'm right for me without having to make them wrong of course like there's lots of ways to get there and they might be right but i don't agree with the your main job is to work relentlessly show your kids how to work hard make tons of money to you know to and protect them in that way i don't think that's the game i'm interested in playing that's not what front row dads is built on i think this is they need you Yeah. Right. This is a story I've heard over and over again. Is kids that grow up with fathers that work their asses off appreciate that, but there's some level of shame the father has often at some point, going, I wish I would have spent more time with my kids. And at some level, now you got some guys that'll be like, No, I loved it. I love that my dad, you know, worked his ass off and showed me that. But some point in their life when they crack and they finally get real with their emotions, they're like, I missed my dad. Yep. I really wanted more of his time and his attention, and I, and I think you should work hard. I think it's great to have seasons where you just bust your ass and let your kids see what it's like to go after it with everything you got. That's wonderful. But if it becomes the excuse for not showing up for your kids, which can be hard, being vulnerable with your kids, you know, like, dude, did you watch Ted Lasso? I haven't, but I'm familiar. Oh my God. So this last season was so good. And one of the things that so Ted's, you know, I'm not giving anything away here, really. It's like he's he's overseas, right? Away from his son. He lives in a son lives in America. He's the head soccer coach overseas. And eventually at some point, the question is why are you not getting so close to your son? And he goes, Because I'm afraid that he'll just grow up and leave me. And like, there is something so real to that. And it's some version of that for many men, which is like this, th- there is real fear in getting connected to your children, being judged by them. And there's men that feel the more they get show up, the more they get connected, the more they're going to mess up, the more they're going to say the wrong thing, the more they're going to like, the kid's going to like know that they're just a flawed grown man, you know, <laughs> trying to be a dad. But you've got to lean, I think you've got to lean into that. You've got to show up. That's the biggest thing at the end of the day. And you, you'll totally screw up. You know, you absolutely will. You'll totally say the wrong thing at some point. But that's why, and, and here's what I would have to say. There's a second piece of this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plus this with a second answer, which is, yeah, you got to show up, but you've also got to learn how to repair. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to learn how to repair, which means sitting down with your kids and going, oh, dude. I got, I got to own my behavior yesterday. Like I was scared. And as a result of that, I got controlling and that's my pattern. I get afraid and then I want to control shit. And that's my pattern. And you got caught up in that. I said Mm -hmm. to my son recently, and this is, I'll stop my rant here in a second. I walked into his room and I was like, Hey, all that energy you felt yesterday. And I know you're old. I think you get this at this point. You're a really smart kid. I go, that was me and mom having a problem. And I was carrying that energy. And then you walked in the room and all that energy went to you. I could tell you were like, what did I just do? And that's, it was, had nothing to do with you. It had everything to do with me carrying this energy. I hadn't processed it yet. You walked into the room right at that moment. I directed it towards you, Mm -hmm. you know? And um, I just talked to him about it. I go, hey, man, I really, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm working on getting better at, Processing those things so that you don't have to process it for me. <laughs> you know, yeah. it was just great.
1: That's, I mean, powerful. And I think it's a nice segue to our last two, but we'll start with emotional intelligence.
0: Sounds very related to what you just shared. Anything else yeah. you'd like to add? The biggest thing with emotional intelligence is uh, nervous system work. That's really mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Um, most men are walking around in fight or flight constantly. They're the, yeah. what I described earlier somebody jumps out, scares them, they want to beat the shit out of them. Like that's. Sure. So I think that learning about our nervous system, mm-hmm. how to pull the levers that, that help us to regulate, how mm-hmm. we learn how to co-regulate with our children. Like I tell this story about how I was on the cruise with my family and my youngest was just acting up. We went back to the room and I was trying to talk to him. This is how you need to behave and all that. And he could not calm himself down. The next night, same issue, out of control at dinner, Pull him back to the room. I said, all I'm going to do is hold him put him on my chest and breathe. I'm going to breathe for him until he, mon- he mirrors my breath. Mm-hmm. He calmed down like that. It was, yeah. in an inst- it was 60 seconds he was calm. All I did was hold him and breathe. Yeah. Well, we'd sit there all day long being like, when you get your act together, you can get back to the table. Yeah, when you stop crying, we'll have a conversation. Like all this, like, ocean, you need to breathe. Ocean, just breathe breathe. Oh, well, maybe what if I modeled it? Like who needs to breathe in that moment? Me. Who wasn't breathing? Me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I was doing a lot of lecturing. But finally, I picked him up, held him, regulated my nervous system, helped regulate his nervous system. We just had a really casual conversation. We went back. Dinner was great. Nice. So emotional intelligence is all really about your nervous system. And most men are not taught how to regulate their nervous system. And especially people that are ass kickers, entrepreneurs, business owners, people that control a lot of things, move things, and and even people that are just like heroes in their life. They need to learn how to let that go for a moment because we can't take that same energy. It's like a lawyer lawyering all day long or a police officer officering all day long. And then they come home, they bring that same energy to their family. everybody's wrong. You're busting everybody left and right. And it's like, we need to learn how to shift into different modes because fathering is not the same as lawyering or officering. It's fathering. It's different. Might have elements of those things. You might have to lay down the law and be an officer occasionally, but it's not just that. It's so much more. Nice. A great, wonderful answer. And I
1: think for those listening, we have our Fit Father Breathwork course, which is a nice introduction yes. to that kind of concept. The breath is everything for the, for the regulation, right? Yes. And the fi- final category, and also in our remaining very like very few minutes, what I also want you to share after business evolution and where people can get in
0: contact with you. But let's start business evolution. B- business evolution is all about leverage. The biggest mm-hmm. thing people learn is how to, to, to leverage more effectively. Too many owners are making themselves too important. Too many entrepreneurs are making themselves too important. This is a control issue. They want to do it the right way. They want to do it their way. They want to be important. And look, yes, we want to have purpose. That's that's awesome. We don't want to outsource everything because you want to play the game too. Right. But you want to do it in such a way that you have energy for your family. You want to build a business that will just thrive and flourish and grow and scale and yes to all those things. And at the end of the day, can you still be a family man with a business? Because I, yeah, I've interviewed people in the last couple of weeks, somebody's raised millions of dollars, their business is crushing it. And they're essentially their statement was, I'm in a season where I'm going to go all in on my business." and I'm not taking care of my health. I'm not there for my family. I'm not there for my marriage. And my only question is, how long can you do that before that other stuff breaks? Mm -mm. Is it a week? Is it a month? Is it a year? I don't know. It's different for every person, but business is about leverage. And ultimately, if you want to talk legacy, and in the billions of years that this this planetary system has existed, right? Right. Um, we get a hundred of these years and we somehow think that we're so, so important to all these things. And the reality is like, let's build things that move through us. Well said, you know,
1: that's it. Yeah. Beautiful. What, what a conversation, brother. Thank, I mean, a lot of range. I mean, this was one hour and you, you went to a lot of powerful places. I mean, this is definitely one worth another listen. And I'm also certain that there are at least a few guys who are massively aligned with what you shared and who are interested in learning more. So frontrowdads.com, but like where else would you direct people to learn more about your community, what you're up to, your podcast? Please just tell us where to connect more.
0: If people are listening to this and they like audio versions for learning then the front Road Ads podcast is a place that you can find some great conversations on any of these subjects from parenting to you know things we we talked about today um, and then the website's a great place to go throw it, there's a place there if you throw your name in your your number your email or whatever somebody can contact you about our community and see if it's a good fit and but what I always say is that look I love our community I love how unique uh, our culture is it feels like But there's also so many other great communities. Your community is incredible. It's just, I want somebody to be in a community. And it doesn't have to mean that that's the only community they're in either. You can Sometimes you have to try out different communities to find the one that you're meant to be in. And sometimes you have your business community and then you have your family community. Whatever it looks like, be in community. And we are one option of many great options. So frontroadads.com is the place to go and we'd love to help wherever we can bro john thank you thank you man fun
1: energizing conversation and everyone thanks for tuning in today's episode thanks for listening to this week's episode of the fit father project podcast if you love what you heard please rate and review our podcast on apple podcasts it really helps spread this show to more men who need this valuable info to watch full video episodes of this podcast and other motivational videos to inspire your training and more visit our Fit Father Project YouTube channel. It's free and everything's made for busy guys who are 40 like you. Visit youtube.com forward slash fitfatherproject to get access to our entire video library. And finally, if you or someone in your life is interested in becoming a fit father or needs help losing weight, building muscle, and living healthier after age 40, then visit fitfatherproject.com where you can see our proven programs, supplement line for guys 40 plus, and free meal plan and workouts to get you started. This is Dr. Anthony Balduzzi signing off. I'll see you in the next episode.